0: Uh, Today is the fourth and final Sunday of Advent, and man, am I glad this season is almost over. Advent is about waiting. Israel waiting for the coming of the Messiah. You and me waiting for the second coming of Christ, and I hate waiting. I hate waiting so much I once walked out of a dentist's office. I took off the bib and everything. They left me in there for 45 minutes without ever talking to me about what was going on. The receptionist didn't even know what to say as I stormed out of the office. Did you hear about the guy last month in Knoxville, Tennessee? He threatened the employees at a Little Caesars pizza with a gun because his pizza wasn't hot and ready as advertised. That's a guy that hates waiting. Our previous pastor, David Cassidy, was fond of saying that we are the generation that stands in front of the microwave yelling at it to hurry up. Our impatience in the world inevitably spills over into impatience with God. Have you ever said to God, why are you taking so long? Why are you taking so long to answer my prayers? Why haven't you freed me from these sins that I struggle with? Why haven't I experienced the healing that I long for? These are Advent questions. These are the questions of people who feel the pain of waiting. Now, at first glance, Romans 16 doesn't seem like an Advent kind of text how does it address those advent questions because we've gotten used to hearing about the old testament prophets predicting a coming day of judgment or hearing from john the baptist about the Je- about jesus who is coming but this text as it comes at the end of paul's letter to the romans it's a doxology It's a song of praise that Paul uses to finish this long letter that is filled with important theology and important practices for the church. So why are we reading it during Advent? What does it say to those of us who wait? I want to look this morning at three different questions with you and see how Romans 16 addresses those of us who wait. The first question is this. What does it even mean to wait? What is waiting? What are we waiting? Why are we waiting? What does it mean to wait? The second question is, how can we have the strength to wait? And then the third question is, what do we do while we wait? So what does it mean to wait? How do we have the strength to wait? And what are we supposed to do while we wait? So first, what does it mean for us to wait? One of the hardest things about waiting is the sense of powerlessness that comes when you long for a change in your circumstances, when you long for life to be different. Let's face it, if you're waiting this morning, it means that you are not in charge. If you were in charge, you could speed things along. If you were the one who had the power, you could make things happen the way that you wanted them to happen on your timetable. But if you're waiting, it means that you are subject to someone else's plan. And Romans 16 tells us that God has a plan. And He is actively working to bring it to fruition. Look with me at verses 25 and 26. Paul refers to something called the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed. What is he talking about there? What is this revelation of the mystery? What is this mystery that was secret, but has now been disclosed? Well, it's Jesus. It's the coming of the Son of God. It's the inauguration of the kingdom. It's the gospel, this good news of our salvation. As Christians, you and I turn to the Old Testament and we see Jesus on every page. We see all of the prophecies that point to Jesus, all of the promises that point to Jesus. But one of the challenges is that in the Old Testament, the saints in the Old Testament, they didn't understand it with that kind of clarity. You remember what Jesus did in Luke chapter 22 when he found those two disciples on the road to Emmaus? Emmaus. He started walking with them, and he began reasoning from, with them from the Scriptures, from Moses and the prophets, Paul, or Luke writes. He showed them how all of Scripture pointed to the coming of the Son of Man. Well, the Old Testament saints only got glimpses of that. It was like they, they saw something in shadows, in types, but they couldn't understand everything that was happening. Think about a couple of these examples. Moses. He got a glimpse... Of the seed of the woman, who would crush the head of the serpent and free humanity from their self imposed slavery to sin. That's what Genesis 3 tells us. King David, he got a glimpse when he sang about the Lord who would sit at God's right hand, who would be a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. That's Psalm 110. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah, he got a glimpse when the Lord spoke to him about a new covenant that was coming that would include the permanent forgiveness of sins and the knowledge of the Lord. That's Jeremiah 31. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah, he got a glimpse when he sang about a son, a child to be born whose name would be called the Mighty God, the Prince of Peace. That's Isaiah chapter 9. All of them had a sense of what was coming. All of them had a glimpse of what was coming. But did they understand fully that this one would be one and the same person? Did they know that it was God himself who would come to suffer and die for our sins? Did they know that God would come again in glory to judge the living and the dead? Probably not. Because not even the apostles completely understood everything that Jesus said, everything that Jesus did, until the Spirit was given to them on the day of Pentecost. Jesus told them that when the Spirit comes, He's going to lead you in all things. You're finally going to be able to connect the dots. And you're going to understand the things that I have been doing with you. Paul says here in Romans chapter 16 that now, finally, this mystery has been revealed. God, God has brought this plan to fruition. Do you understand why that's important for you to know if you're in a place of waiting? If you are waiting this morning... You have to realize that there is a forward movement of God's plan through history. God has been at work in history revealing this mystery. God is continuing to work in our world and in you and me. For now though, we're an in-between kind of people, right? We're waiting. We're in between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. We're in between justification and glorification. We're in between the dawn of the first day of the new creation and the establishment of the world to come. That's the the big W, wait, that is common to all of us. But there are also little moments of waiting that you and I have. And in those little moments of waiting, we have to remember the bigger picture, the big story God is telling. Let me ask you, are you waiting for a relationship to blossom and develop? Are you waiting for a breakthrough in your marriage? Are you waiting for a wayward child? Are you waiting for a diagnosis? Are you waiting for healing? Are you waiting in some way for the circumstances that you're in right now to change? Every time we are put in a place where we have to wait, we are reminded that we are not in charge, that the world is bigger than we are, that God is bigger than we are, but that God is at work. Sometimes we're given glimpses, like the Old Testament saints, We're given glimpses into the work of God in our life. We're in the work of God around us. But most of the time, we're just called to wait in faith. To trust that He is at work. And just as He has been faithful in the past, so also He will be faithful in the future. And someday we will see the revelation of his work in us and in the world. The German martyr Dietrich Bonhoeffer, professor of systematic theology under the Nazis before he was martyred by the Nazis, he said it this way, a prison cell is a good analogy for Advent. One waits, one hopes, one does this or that, But the door is locked, and it can only be opened from the outside. Friends, we wait. We wait knowing that one day the door will be opened from the outside. And we will finally see what God has been up to. He will reveal His work in our lives. He will reveal His work in the world. And the promise that we can hold on to is that work will be greater than anything we could ever imagine or ask or think. So what is this waiting? It means that we're waiting on God. Now some of you say, okay, well, I hear that, I understand that, but Eric, I don't know that I have the strength to wait. I mean, it's not only hard enough waiting for Jesus to come back. My circumstances are such that I don't know that I can wait. This is the second thing. How do we have strength to wait? Go back to Romans chapter 16, verse 25. What's the promise? Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Friends, hear this. Hear this very, very plainly and clearly. God will not relieve you of your weight. God will not distract you while you wait. But God will strengthen you in your waiting. Waiting for a lot of us feels like we've been set aside, like we're just up on the shelf next to the elf. It's a time of inaction, a downtime. Maybe a time where we feel like God has forgotten us. But friends, waiting is really a time when we are being strengthened. When we are being built up. You ever drive outside a town and go past these farm fields? You see field after field after field that something's growing in it. And all of a sudden you get to a field where there's nothing at all growing. It's not that the farmer forgot that field. It's that he's letting that field lie fallow. So that the nutrients of that soil can be built up again so that it can give a crop the next time he sows his seed there. Friends, that's exactly the place that we are if we're waiting. We're being built up. We're being strengthened for the future day. Now when Paul talks here in Romans 16 about being strengthened, he's talking about sanctification. We are being strengthened. We are being sanctified by the same things that those early Christians were. By the gospel and by the preaching of Jesus Christ. Notice that Paul doesn't throw us back on ourselves to find strength. Instead, he says if you're going to wait, you need to be brought back to the basics. You need to be brought back to the cross. Why? Why? What does the cross have to do? Isn't that kind of the way that we get into the Christian life? Don't we, when we mature beyond kind of the preaching about the cross and the gospel? I mean, I need some how to's here. I need some things to do. I need to know how to engage this life with better victory over sin and the people that are opposed to me. Well, Paul says no. The cross is what delivers you from your dominion of, from the dominion of sin. The cross is what rescues you from your guilt and shame and bondage to sin. And friends, because those things are present in your entire Christian life, you need to hear the preaching of the cross more than just at the beginning of your Christian life. You need to have it every time you sit down to Scripture to hear this good news that God is at work for you. Go back to the first point. Why are you waiting? Because you're waiting on God to do his work. Is God doing his work? Yes, he's even doing it in you. And he's strengthening you, even right now. All right. I guess you've convinced me. But what am I supposed to do? Why, why am I here in this place of inactivity and inaction? How am I supposed to spend this time waiting? And that's our third question. What do you do while you wait? You know, sometimes while we wait, we are totally immobilized. We are unable to do anything at all. Think about you're waiting for a delayed flight at the airport. How frustrating is that? There's nothing that you can do. You're waiting on hold. And you know that if you hang up in anger, you're going to get put at the bottom of the list, right? Or you're waiting in a dentist's office, and you get totally irritated and leave. God doesn't call us to wait in silence, to wait in inaction. God calls us to wait with action. God calls us to wait, but as we wait, we are participating in his work. See, this is part of the wonder of the gospel story. Part of the wonder of the Gospel story is that God has wrapped us up into His work. Paul says that this mystery has been revealed to the nations. Well, guess what? You and I are part of those nations to whom this mystery has been revealed. And now we are given the opportunity to in turn share this good news with others. So that they, like we, come to the obedience of faith. It's such an interesting phrase there in verse 26 to bring about the obedience of faith. That can be something as simple as having faith in Christ, obeying the gospel call to put your faith in Christ, or it can be something much more elaborate, almost as what we've heard, what we heard from Mary this morning. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to thy word. Being willing to engage in hard things that the Lord has called you to. But either way, what Paul is saying is that God, who is at work in you, enabling you to participate in the work that He's calling you to. So you are being called, even in this in-between time, to make God's work known. Can I ask you something? Is there somebody that you're going to see this week? Someone in your life who needs to know Jesus. Who themselves needs the revelation of the mystery. Who themselves needs to be brought to the obedience of faith. God has been strengthening you during this time of waiting. How has God been at work giving you what you need so that you, in turn, can minister to that person? Too often, folks, we get so frustrated while we're waiting. We get so mad while we're waiting. We wait behind closed doors. We wait with arms crossed. We wait with foot tamping. But instead, God says, don't wait with frustration, lamenting about how long it's taking for your prayers to be answered. Don't waste your waiting. Instead, wait in action with me. You know, Paul is concluding Romans with this song of praise. And in a moment, we're going to also sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. And these words remind us of what Paul says here when he says that the mystery has now been disclosed and has been made known to all nations. When we sing, we are reminding ourselves that God is faithful to his word, that his promises do come true, and that he can be trusted even with our uncertain future. Barry earlier this morning prayed for those missionaries in Haiti that were released this week. You remember, two months ago, 17 of them were kidnapped by a violent gang in Haiti, and this week, the 12 that were still in captivity were released. Do you know what they did while they waited? Like Paul and Silas, they sang. The news reports said that they sang. They prayed. They recited Bible verses from memory because they did not have a Bible. They encouraged each other as they waited out their faith. Brothers and sisters, sing while you wait. Preach the Gospel to yourself in song and in word while you wait. Sing to remind others of the hope for which we wait. A new heavens and a new earth from which all traces of sin have finally and forever been erased. Sing with confidence, knowing that God has strengthened us for the day of Christ's coming. Sing to Jesus, our crucified and risen King, the One who has come, and who will come again. Let's pray. Father, while we wait, strengthen us, equip us to participate in the work that You've called us to. Give voice to our songs of praise. Even to our songs of lament while we wait for our circumstances to change. But Lord, whatever you do, keep our eyes fixed on you. As the author and finisher of our salvation, the one to whom we can entrust our lives, establish us, strengthen us, to look forward to the day that our waiting finally comes to an end. And we join with you and all of the saints before us in heavenly victory. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.